0: Oh, my computer crashed.
1: Oh no, I've got a virus.
0: Oh, no way, no internet connection. Do you need help? Call IT Mayday. 647-977-7113. ITMayday.com
1: Hello there, it's Linda Pinizzato of The Condo Expert, sponsored by Bayshore Health and Wellbeing. And we're here at the studio at the Hayes FM. You know, we've talked so much about different types of accreditations and licensing. As you all know, the Minister of Consumer Services announced a couple of weeks ago that they're looking at mandatory courses. But it has not been announced yet that there should be mandatory licensing. And there should be. I don't understand. Why would you have courses without licensing? As a matter of fact... Um, we had a gentleman, Adam Sloboda, on the show last week, and uh, he brought it to our attention that there's like 16 different university and colleges out in Ontario, and all of them offer different types of property management courses. So if the courses are out there, and our wonderful Canadian universities and colleges are offering these courses Why hasn't the government stepped in prior to this time and made these courses mandatory? I would think that that would help our educational system, our students, uh, young adults, professionals that are in the industry, and certainly something that's incredibly important. So I'm looking for the ball. Did someone drop it somewhere? But uh, anyway, moving forward. Today we want to hit another approach and uh, that has to do with fire alarm technicians and wonderful. We have the CFAA that stands for Canadian Fire Alarm Association. Very huge active group. They've actually established appropriate recognitions and accreditations for fire alarm technicians. Take a look of the jurisdiction in Canada. This is so important. Think about that. And today we actually have Steve Clemens, the executive director of CFAA, here in the studio with us. So, welcome, Steve. Thank you so much for coming on board to the Condo Expert.
0: Uh, Thank you for having me and uh, giving the shout out to the Canadian Fire Alarm Association.
1: Well, you know, it's really dear to my heart. They had the uh, World Fire Police Games uh, hosted, actually, about uh, what a month ago now in Northern Ireland. And this is actually an event that's carried out every couple of years. And you know, they had over ten thousand participants that were involved in this. It was like it, it was like the Olympics of fire and paramedics, firemen, paramedics, um, policemen, and the recognition behind that event is just awesome.
0: It is, and. We're here to make sure that uh, we can help them do their job better to uh, reduce the amount of times we have to call upon
1: our emergency services. Well, exactly. With this event, they actually had it in Vancouver, too, uh, prior to that. So they did have it in Canada, and they actually move it around the world. But And that just shows you how important it is. So I hope that all these other countries have something similar to S- uh, the CFAA.
0: Uh, we're pretty much a standalone. We've really set the bar in Canada, especially in Ontario and Manitoba. For the use of fire alarm systems and how we look after maintaining our buildings, so that it's safer for the, those occupants.
1: So that with that now, like, how would you get involved? Like, let's go through the the drill. I guess there is five hundred and eighty-seven thousand condo units in the province of Ontario. So now, does that mean that your association pretty much covers all of Ontario?
0: Our association covers all of Canada.
1: Uh, we, are, we
0: are the only fire alarm technology program that's accepted right across from coast to coast in Canada. In Ontario, we are one of two approved uh, programs by the Ontario Fire Marshal's Office to certify or register individuals that are capable of maintaining the fire alert and life safety systems within the buildings here in Ontario. So we have set the bar. Um, it, it came into code in 1997. We're still trying to get out to the building owners to make sure that they understand really what that entails. We don't want to have any more fire deaths, and that's how it all came into law. Of course, we had to have a bad incident for that to happen. This association has been around for 40 years. We're celebrating our 40th anniversary this year, and we still have two of the original members on the board. It was all based around the manufacturers of our life fire and life safety equipment in, in Canada. But now we've expanded out to those service agencies because of our fire alarm technology program, we have these technicians now that are now face-to-face with your condo owners and those occupants within those buildings because now they're touching and maintaining every single device within these buildings to make sure they're up to par so that we have uh, ensure life safety within these buildings so that they're maintained at the highest level possible. And again, we have standards that we can refer to here in Ontario and across Canada that are bar none.
1: So the standards that are in place, are they like bylaws or fire protection mandates? Are they under like a bill of some sort or an act that we have that's in place? Or like intricate on it, if you think about it, our ministers, every different ministry covers a different act. Yeah. So on so, this particular one, is that fire health and safety? Is there that part well, of it or where does it fall into place? This
0: all falls under the Fire Protection Prevention Act okay. of 1997. That act is given the fire marshal of Ontario a great sense of authority over our fire protection and life safety within our buildings. That act of, according to that act, we have a new fire code in 2007. Uh, we'll have a new fire code in uh, 2014. Uh, they're working very hard to get the new fire code out. And in that fire code, it prescribes exactly how we need to maintain our buildings to maintain that fire safety, that level of fire safety, according to whatever activities we have in that building according to the people that live in that building and again we have the new vulnerable occupancies that have been identified by the Ontario Fire Marshal. We have the condominium owners that are going through uh, the revision and again making sure that every different use every different occupant level that we have in these buildings has the appropriate level of safety provided to them.
1: So how would concierge and security play out because I know a lot of the uh, fire alarm systems and so on are actually behind their desks you know, in a small room to the corridor right where they are. And, you know, and they're the ones that have direct access to it. So do they have any specific type of training with respect to fire protection, fire alarm systems, and so on?
0: Well, under the fire code, 2007 fire code, which is now law in Ontario, under section two, every building owner representative, if you have been delegated any kind of duty, it must be listed in that fire safety plan. So if you're a condo owner or work within a condominium, Or if you even reside in a condominium, you should have access to that fire safety plan if there's a fire alarm system. Now, there's different requirements when a fire safety plan is required. But if you have a fire alarm system, you know you're going to have to have a fire safety plan. And in that fire safety plan requirements, it lists out that everybody that is a supervisory staff. And supervisory staff is listed as anybody that has been given a duty by that building owner. And that could be the fire alarm technician that's contracted. That must be listed what they're supposed to do to maintain the life safety. What are they supposed to do on a daily basis, weekly basis, monthly basis, annual basis? And what do they do if there is a real fire alarm? How do they react? What can they do to ensure the safety of others for opening doors? Making sure they know the proper exit to go out. Making sure they know where the pull stations are so they can alert others. And making sure that they can help those in need. So there could be people in the building that have uh, some type of disability that would prevent them from exiting quickly. Those people have duties as well, too, to look after them.
1: So, you know, this brings to mind, I mean, sometimes I'm in buildings, as you know, I'm a realtor by trade, and uh, I've had this happen to me, where I was up on the 24th story on a condo right down on King Street in Toronto, and the lockbox was in the stairwell, and what happened was, is I went into the stairwell, I asked my client to please hold the door for me. Okay. I go into the stairwell. There was a carriage in the stairwell. So I moved to move it over. He was a gentleman. He went to move the carriage over with me. The door closed, locked us both in the stairwell. And we were unable then to get back onto that floor (laughs) to show the unit. I had to walk down with him, 24 stories, get back to the concierge, get back in the elevator, go back up. Now, the interesting part about this is, is like some buildings have mag locks And they activate in cases of fire and so on. But if it's an ordinary door handle with a lock on it, doesn't that almost trap people in the stairwell? Does that actually, I I don't know if that's really safe. Security-wise, it may actually be working to some degree, but I don't really know if that's a safety measure.
0: Yes, and that's why we've been working really hard. And we now have a new Underwriter Laboratory of Canada standard for how to test all of the life safety systems together so that not just the fire alarm, but the mag locks, smoke control, exit lights, emergency lights all work and are tested together so that your elevator recall is, is all intertwined with the fire alarm system and the emergency systems. So under normal circumstances, yes, you could get uh, lock yourself into the corridor, but under emergency conditions, we want to ensure that it's tested that if that fire alarm is pulled or smoke alarm is activated, that that will release that magnetic lock, allow you to get onto that floor and get over to another stairwell or to another exit path.
1: But this is interesting because those locks, none of those, those were ordinary locks that you would pick up at Rona or our, uh, you know, home hardware somewhere. They weren't like, I know what a magnet lock looks like you know, a lot of them I've seen on the main floor access coming in off of the main corridors of common elements. But so many of these buildings, I guess, uh, you know, I'm not sure where it is in the building code because a lot of these locks are, like I said, they're like $10 locks. You push the button, you turn it and they're locked.
0: Yeah. And I I was a building owner representative for the last 10 years uh, before starting with the Canadian Fire Alarm Association. And the big, the only way you're going to find out those inconsistencies are to actually have a professional review Or actually to have really good fire drills. So put a case scenario together and actually do a fire drill within the building to ensure that people, if there is a fire in that stairwell, how can they get out of the stairwell? If there's smoke coming through, making sure doors open and lock throughout the whole building and making sure that you don't leave anybody behind once you do a fire drill. So making sure there's a great check of that building. And again, in the fire safety plan. You have to describe how you will conduct your fire drills, how you will safely conduct them, and how you will safely review all of the things that were deficient in that fire drill so you can make it better in a real-life circumstance. We'd rather you make mistakes during a fire drill than in a real-life situation where we have lives at risk.
1: So there's a there's actually a crossover here because in one sense, you're going to get a board of directors who's decided that they want to lock every single stairwell corridor. And they've put on these cheap locks, or maybe the cheap locks were put on by the builder, uh, however it happened. So they consider that to be secure. And and so, you know, as far as um, not necessarily safety, but just security, because they want their privacy and they don't want to have people roaming around from floor to floor. Then you have other boards who've now brought in this new system where the elevator, you actually have to use your fob to be able to press the button for the elevator that only allows you to your own floor. That's it. And it doesn't allow people to go in and around anywhere else on stairwells. So if you live on the 20th floor, you can't go and visit your friend on the 18th floor without going all the way back down to security and then being announced, I gather, to go all the way back up again.
0: Exactly. And that's why we want to make sure the security systems are tested along with every other life safety system that's going to be a requirement now with fire alarm technicians when they come into a high rise building or a complicated building that has other life safety systems. Now it's not in the code yet. We have the standard though. And a lot of the uh, premier companies are already in- talking to the owners and making sure that they test all the systems all together. What you have to worry about though, is how did they all interact? Making sure that if you have an emergency situation that they're all going to help you in that time of need. So with that fire alarm system what does it do for you other than maybe just that fire circumstance what if it's some other emergency in the building so other building owners that i've dealt with uh, they're using their fire alarm system for their pa capability so they can do public address for other emergencies they can open and close other doors um, have video access all through their fire alarm system remember your fire alarm system is the only code required life safety system in your building that needs to be tested by an outside agency everything else you can do yourself as a building owner or as a representative in contract or do it yourself the fire alarm system it is mandated that it must be tested and certified on an annual basis by a certified or registered fire alarm technician someone who's graduated from an approved program in ontario and again we only have two in ontario that are approved and most of the other provinces we're the only approved uh
1: well, that's—it's amazing because I—I I mean, the CFAA is a member-supported as a non-for-profit Canadian association, and you know, you would think that you know the type of value that you add as far as safety, protecting people's lives or investments, the buildings. I mean, nobody wants to add the trauma, the 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 health impact that that would have on you, on whether you know, especially if you've had to go through some traumatic experience of having a major fire in your building. So, you know, the other side of this, last week we actually had Allstate Canada, Allstate Insurance of Canada on, and uh, right now we've got a um, contest called the Condo Hero that's out there, and it's basically for anybody living in the condo can nominate somebody who's been their hero So whether that be your uh, condominium property manager or whether it's the concierge. Hopefully it's their
0: fire alarm technician. Well, that's (laughs) actually
1: what I was coming to. That's an interesting thing because the fire alarm technician is just so important in this whole thing. Or even
0: even their sales associate that's dealing with them. Because those sales associates are taking the training as well. So we see many of the sales associates for these fire alarm companies. We have some great member companies. Our member companies are now making it very complete in their organization making sure it's not just the fire alarm technician that has the training but the person that's actually face-to-face making that initial contact with the building owner has the same kind of information now they may not have the sort the registration as a fire alarm technician but they're up to date on what the codes and standards are and how we can better employ these kind of services and better use the the building owner's money to make sure we have a safe environment for all and one of the new things we've done uh, to help not just the sales people within these organizations within our member companies but we actually have on our website now a fire alarm annual inspection time estimator for building managers or building owners so now you can actually see how long it should take or estimate how long it should take for a regular fire alarm test without anything else just a simple fire alarm test because what we're finding is sometimes if if we want to make sure we're doing it right unfortunately it does take time so we want to make sure that the building owners understand how long it's going to take what are some of the idiosyncrasies? Like, do we had to, we'd have to ring the bells? Uh, can we do that during uh, daytime hours, or should we do it when the building's not occupied? Or can we do the fire drill at the same time?
1: Exactly. Well, you know, there's a lot of inside outs, and this is an amazing show for the public because I don't really believe that uh, I would have to guess 80% of the public doesn't even know what goes on behind the scenes when it's relating to fire equipment and safety and so on. Slender Pinazzato here at the Hayes FM. Speaking to you from the condo expert, we'll be right back.